You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I'm going to uh, I'll share a couple of things and... Uh, Someone had asked to, to speak tonight and then wasn't able to make it. So if I let you out a little early, <clears throat> it'll be because of that. But uh, some interesting things that kind of brought some stuff to my attention. Uh, see where I want to start here. Kathy, you you make an impact sometime when you don't really intend to make an impact, but it's just the very nature of who you are, and it's a very joyful impact. Uh, for those of you who were sitting in Sunday school that morning, how many of you got uh, a song stuck in your head? <laughs> what was the song? Welcome to my world. See, I told that in Sunday school after you shared it with me, and uh, Diana, you want to sing it for us? You've got it memorized. <laughs> yeah, Diana, told, Diana told us Tuesday night that she had it pretty well memorized because she just sang it all day. Uh, and Valentin said, yeah, it's in, playing in the house all the time. So you're, again, you're, you're bringing things that are having these strange effects powerful effects and wonderful effects uh, just by the nature of what you're sharing. So it's a, it's, a, it's a real blessing. This morning, I spoke on just this recognition that if we understand how a kingdom was born, how, how, how a kingdom came back here, then it would tell us how now a kingdom comes. So we look back through the Christmas story and understood the promises that were made, Mary being the one that was sought out, what that search looked like and what were the characteristics and qualities of Mary that she would be this mother of Jesus by whom this kingdom would be born and that how the Holy Spirit came upon her and overshadowed her in this supernatural moment and out of that overcoming moment, out of that moment, a kingdom was born. So if I look back and realize how the kingdom came back here, I can realize now how the kingdom comes in me. It also requires a supernatural moment. It also requires that same moment when the Holy Spirit overshadows us. And that word overshadows again as, as a cloud. But out of that overshadowing in each one of us and then collectively as a church, a kingdom is born where the king becomes king of my life, the king becomes king of this church. And so collectively, we become this expression of a kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then I, I went one other step. The, the one other step, and what really got this topic in my head in the first place was Kathy Scott. You did it again. Uh, 
At the end of the sermon this morning, I've read just a small portion of a prophecy by, and it's, you say her last name, Vosser, Lana Vosser? Lana Vosser, okay. I read a small part of that because what I shared with you this morning was that there in the scripture, like in Matthew 24, says that the nation will come against nation. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, kingdoms against kingdoms, and that will be the beginning of birth pains. He, something was born back here that brought in the kingdom. Something is birthed in us that brings forth the kingdom. And we're seeing that there's another day when something else will be birthed and out of it will come something else. Out of these birth pains will come a reality. And that started kind of working backward in this message that started with this message that Kathy had shared with me last week. Before we go there, I want us to go back to Matthew 24 for just a minute. Again, there's so many places where this, where the birth pains are mentioned. I looked them up all last night, read all of them, and again, there are many. But I want us to go back and just introduce this prophecy by the reading of these portions of this Olivet Discourse with Jesus is with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. The heading that I have on this chapter 24 right under it says, the king will return in power and in glory. I love the music this morning because when I shared with y'all on purpose, is God would allow me, that the outcome of that initial birth was choir singing, announcements from heaven to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, and all of these things that were the result of that initial birth, and what's supposed to be the, the outcome of the birth that is created in me. I hope that when that birth, that new birth, that births a king and a kingdom in me, I hope my worship will never be the same. And I have such great pleasure the, the few times when I get to sing from here looking that direction because I, I watch that there's, no t- or there's very little timidity anymore in the praise, that, it, that it's, it's rolling out. You, Johnny, you get to see it. Amy, you get to see it that there are voices that are singing full. There's not, there's not this hesitation in the praise. That's reflective of a kingdom born in, inside us. But I also love knowing that the kingdom that's yet to come, that, that, that part of that outcome will be this glory of God that, that will become evident like we've never seen before, that we're, that we're gonna get to see something, participate, watch something. And, and if he comes soon enough, which it all it certainly looks like he will, that we will get to be those singing in that, singing those praises full and glorious because we get to watch the birthing of something that's brand new. Verse one, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see you not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming 
and of the end of the world? There's, a, there's three powerful questions there. And if we study it carefully, we'll recognize that he answers all three. Verse four, and Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. Why would he give us that warning? If he's, if, if he's going to give us a warning, if God's going to say, hey, guys, I want you all to be real careful because when you go outside, that sky is going to be blue. Why would he tell us that? Yeah, we, know, we, we understand what, what he's talking about because what we recognize is that he's going to give us a warning it's because there's a real danger there. Now, if he were to say, be careful when you cross the street because there's a lot of traffic, we might, you might get run over. We, we might listen to something like that. But when he gives us this kind of warning, take heed. That's a warning. Take heed that no man deceive you. Why would Jesus be saying that? Because he was concerned that there would be many who would come to deceive. There would be many who would come with purposes and causes that were not born of him, that did not originate in him. They would come for selfish reasons. They would come for self-serving reasons. They would come not to build a kingdom, but to build a church, to reflect their success, to reflect their programs, to re reflect their personalities, to build something that made them look good instead of recognizing they were building a kingdom. Happens all over the place, doesn't it? Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, someone came, and I won't mention the names since it gets recorded, but some, you know, Shorty and Teresa had told someone that I did a lot of counseling outside of the church. You know, many hours outside the church, and this person was a bit startled and said, is the church okay with that? That, that you spend that much time on things outside of this church? And, and, the, and their response, I thought, was wonderful. It's like, wait a minute, there's only one church. How can he minister outside of the church? There's only one. We're only building one kingdom. We're only members of one church. And it's like, I, how, how could you even minister outside of the church? How could you minister outside of building one kingdom? And it was, I, I love the answer. Because it doesn't matter where the hours are spent, where we are very much in the reality of, a, of, of building one kingdom. And, but, I, but Jesus was concerned. He would not have mentioned a warning. It would have been ridiculous for him to say this if, if there wasn't a genuine concern. How many, how much false teaching there is in, our, in, the, in the current Christian world. Now, again, I see it and am a, a bit alarmed by it. I think God sees it and is not bothered at all by it. I, I don't think he has my level of concern because I don't think he understands fully what I know. I, I don't, I don't or, or, he would, or he would be bothered as well if, if he just understood what I understand. I don't know, Joe, I don't know. Sometimes he's a little bit too calm for me. If he would just, all right, okay. Uh, and then he goes on to, to say, for many shall come in my name saying I'm Christ and, you shall, and, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all that these things must come to pass, 
but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. All of these things are the beginning of birth pains, the travail that comes in birth. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations. And then shall the end come. Well, I don't think we always fully grasp what's going to be happening in the body of Christ when these things are occurring. When, when we read down this list, uh, nations rising against nation, kingdoms against kingdoms, there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. What's going to be happening in the Christian world when those things are occurring? You see, we dismiss this. It almost becomes to us a non-event. As if somehow this world that we're living in, this, the, the, the communities where we live, the churches where we live, are going to be unaffected by these famines, unaffected by these earthquakes, unaffected by these wars, untouched. Well, I can tell you we live now with certainty that we're not going to be excluded. What's going to be happening in the church when these hardships come? Hardship. And we recognize that when that hardship comes, there will be a real trying of our salvation, a real testing of our fortitude in the relationship that we have with God. We will be fully tested. He's, he's not non-believers, just, just non-believers. He's going to be weeding out from within his kingdom. Yeah, there's going, there's going to be a weeding out that is going to be much broader than just the separating of the sheep and the goats. There's going to be a work that's going on among the sheep. So what I want to do just, and then in, in the balance of a few minutes and then a bit of a conversation after, I'm, I'm going to read, and I'll try not to be, uh, I probably need to get Kathy to do it because she read it so well to me. It made quite an impression. But I'm going to, I'm going to read this because I've got the microphone on. I'm going to read these, this, this full prophetic vision that Lana Vouser saw. More, you, you got a, a bit of it this morning, and I'm going to give you all of it tonight. Would you say that name again? L-A-N-A, Lana Vouser, V-A-W-S-E-R. And the name of the organization is Lana Vouser Ministry. So, for the last year or so, the Lord has been speaking to me about the fear of the Lord being restored to the church. 
I believe in this new era, the fear of the Lord is and will be restored to the church. Now, I want us to, I'm not going to stop many times. I, want to, I don't want to create a disconnect. But I do want us to understand prophetically from Rhea and Amanda, as we understand this message of us being the fourth pillar under the next great move of God. With everything he shows me, this becomes more clear. Jay, in the message that he shared when Jan and I were gone a few months ago, added great clarity to what that, what that vision really held, that we would be a place where there would be out of here the release of the Holy Spirit, release of truth, release of that teaching, release, a release of the restoration of the Holy Spirit's work in the fullest form would be coming out of this body. But do you understand how important that's going to be when you start putting a force against it? For us to imagine it now has one context, a ministry that we're fully involved in. But when you start speaking of this release of the Holy Spirit and what that means in a time of affliction, in a time when these things are coming against it, then we're, then we're talking about an entirely different work because for an army to march in drills as if there were a pretend army in front of them to go through exercises as if there was an army in front of them, an enemy that would be shooting back will accomplish a little. But when you put that army under fire, the exercise becomes very different. So when you and I, in the releasing of the Holy Spirit as this great next move of God will take on a somewhat different nature. When, and I, I, I don't want there to be any brag in this, but I do believe God has brought us to the place where he's bringing us and has brought us so that when that affliction starts, according to what Rhea and Amanda have prophesied, this place will stand. This will be a refuge. And God will send from the corners of the world here to the backside of the wilderness for a refuge. And he says that there will be a highway coming from the east, a highway of holiness to bring them quickly into the city of refuge. That's been prophetically established. It won't make great sense until we understand Matthew 24, until we can more fully grasp the power of this prophecy. Recently, I heard the Lord say, a wave of travail is about to crash into the church. And the Lord then showed me that this wave of travail is going to prepare the way for the fear of the Lord being restored back to the church. I don't see anything that would do it better. I don't see anything that would be more thorough than for that travail to, to crash against the church because it will so quickly Wash away those things that are momentary and light. As I continued to press into the Lord, I saw this wave of travail paving the way for the greatest move of holiness we have ever seen. The travail is already being felt in the body of Christ, but it's going to be significantly increased as this wave crashes in. I heard the Lord say, my people are going to weep over sin again that will usher in the greatest move of holiness we have ever seen. 
When the Lord spoke this, the sense surrounded me so strongly that this weeping over sin was not a place of condemnation. It's important to, to get that. Nor was it a place of not living in the revelation of our identity in Christ, our righteousness before him. It was the place of the birthing of no toleration of sin. It was the place of consecration. It was the place of purity being birthed in the church. It was the place of deep repentance. A wave of deep repentance we have a wave of deepest repentance we have never we have ever experienced as the body of Christ is about to come upon us. I heard the Lord say, the wave of repentance must come before the wave of revival. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? That for there to be true revival, that there has to be once again this recognition of sin that has been tolerated and the damage that it is doing. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, Romans 8, 26. Being in anguish, he, Jesus, prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground, Luke twenty two forty four. My children of whom I travail again until that Christ shall have been formed in you I was wishing indeed to be present with you presently and to change my tone because I am perplexed as to you, Galatians 4, 19 and 20. The travail will move mountains and bring forth the greatest shift we have ever seen. Do you want to see it? Isn't there this stirring in us that says it's time? Did it, that... Business as usual has to end. We have watched a deterioration. We've watched a fading away. We've watched a falling away. It's amazing what we have already seen. The wave of travail will move mountains and bring forth the greatest shifts by the Spirit of God that we have ever seen. This deep place of intercession and repentance is going to not only transform the body of Christ, but bring rapid deliverance and realignment, it is going to impact cities and nations. This wave of travail is reconnecting many with the heart of God. I love that statement. Reconnecting many with the heart of God. This wave of travail will bring about an even greatest shaking that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The fire of holiness will burn bright in the church again. The wave of travail and repentance will see the place of playing games with the Lord stopped in many ways and a significant invitation to return to first love, Jesus. But I have this against you that you have lost your, your, sorry, you've left your first love, Revelations 2.4. There will be a line drawn in the sand by the hand of our Lord again, the invitation that requires your whole life, everything. Where did we see that line drawn before? Ananias comes into the the temple and brings this gift and says, we sold this property and here's all the proceeds, but he held back a portion. And Peter says, why have you lied to God? Why did you feel the necessity to lie to God? What happens? Ananias falls over dead. The young men carry him out and bury him. Three hours later, Sapphira, his wife, comes in. 
hoping to get the second round of ovation for the great gift that they gave. Peter asked the same question, why have you lied to God? She falls over dead. The young men carry her out and bury her next to her husband. And it said no one dared join himself. I tell you what the fear of the Lord says in this moment. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking for those whose whole hearts, whose whole lives. And that, in this vision, the line was drawn again. Because it would be interesting, I, I ask this every time, if you knew next Sunday morning uh, that everybody that wasn't 100% in coming to church, that sitting in here, everybody that wasn't 100% in was going to fall over dead and be carried out, would you show up? <laughs> I, I hope so. No, no, you, you, this has to be resolved. Are we or are we not? The line would be drawn again. I'm coming, but I'm going to get my stuff in order first. <laughs> yeah, 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 and I'm going I'm to sit real close to the back. I can't expect it. You came, oh, you came to not expecting it. Well, good for you, Jesse. The purifying fire of the Lord will move intensely in the travail that will take place. The purifying fire of the Lord is going to move intensely in, this, in the travail that will take place. The Lord showed me that in this deep wave of travail that is going to crash into the church, there is an even deeper purging and purifying that is going to take place. There will be a great dross that will come to the surface. The weeping, the groaning to bring forth a cleansing, a maturing, a purifying of the body. We're promised that. We're promised that purifying fire that will come. There will be a greater alignment in intimacy with the Lord, a purity in relationship with Him to, to know Him deeply and know His heart, not for the ministry's sake or what can I get from the Lord, but to know Him and know His heart. The idol of ministry will come down. You get it? The idol of ministry will come down. What will come down? We know the answer to this. Well, it's beyond, it's, it, that's a piece, but it's bigger than that. Everything that we have done based on our own motivation, based on our own evaluation of someone's need, every Every ministry that we have done because we see a need and we say, well, that's something we can go do. So we gather the resources, we get the people together, we move according to the need, what's going to happen to that ministry? It will be consumed. Not of God. We have a hard time with this. When we recognize that when Jesus saw a need he never went to meet it. Not even once. It's strange again for me to say to you then these things that we teach that Jesus never performed a miracle. Acts 2.22. That Jesus never performed a miracle. He was human. If he could, I can. I can't. He couldn't. Jesus performed no miracles. 
Because when he saw the need, what did he do? He went to the Father. Because he announced to us in John 5, 19, without the Father, I can do nothing. Because once again, if I'm sitting here trying to assess, oh, I see somebody's need. I can go somewhere halfway around the world. I can meet their need. I don't even have a clue what their need, their real need is. So I go based on my judgments and my assumptions of their need and very likely, no, likely, absolutely going to miss what their real need was because I'm not that smart. And I'm not that emotionally intuitive to figure out what that need actually is. Somebody knows it. Somebody knows the need perfectly. Somebody knows how to answer the need perfectly. It's not me. So Jesus says, I can't, without the Father, I can do nothing. I can only do what I see. I can only speak what I hear. So Jesus would go to the Father, and in an act of obedience, he would obey what he saw. He would speak in obedience what he heard, and God the Father would release the miracle. All miracles, according to Acts 2.22, were done by God, by one he found faithful, named Jesus. Everything we've done in the name of ministry will be removed because he's not looking for ministry. He's looking for obedience. The Lord showed me that in the travail, man will be removed from the throne. The places where there has been self-promotion, where there has been idolatry, among many other things to prepare the body of Christ to carry out what he is going to release, to prepare the body of Christ to move in power in the name of Jesus like never before, to move in purity, integrity, maturity, and character. The Lord kept repeating to me over and over again, this wave of travail must take place to prepare my people for the greatest move of my spirit that has ever been seen. In the crashing in of the wave travail, will come the fire to lead my people into greater humility and obedience. The Holy Spirit is going to awaken the body of Christ in even greater ways to the place of humility and obedience to Him, wholehearted obedience. The wave of travail will suddenly crash into meetings and there will be deep weeping and groaning as the Spirit of God moves and does His work to bring shift, change, deliverance, healing, and a greater consecration to Him. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua 3, 5. I heard the Lord say in this wave of travail, I'm going to the foundations. Immediately I saw the word of God before me and the Lord spake again, back to the word, back to the truth. There will be a deep returning back to the word of God and biblical truth and taking the Lord at his word, not watering down the word, not picking and choosing the word, but a deep conviction will take place as the word of God is boldly preached and released to mature the saints. The Lord is going to foundations in, our, in hearts in teaching through the wave of travail to bring forth a significant realignment of truth, the word of God. In this new era, in the wave of travail, we will see the Holy Spirit convict and discipline in increased ways for the good of his children. He's a good father. He's a loving father. And he, and he disciplines his children for the good and for their growth. There is a familiarity with the Lord and his word that has crept into the church and the Lord is dealing with, with it to bring it, us to greater place of life, partnership with him and maturity. The Lord corrects 
the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own, Hebrews 12, 6. Prophets and intercessors, the burden of his heart is going to increase in this wave of travail, continuing to flow with him as you will receive new scrolls of revelation for what he is about to do on the earth. If you flow with him, you will move deeper into Jeremiah 33, 3, and you will see some of the greatest shifts you've ever seen in the church and on the earth. You are part of the greatest shift you've ever seen. Don't run from the travail. Don't run from the words he's giving you. Birth them with him in the secret place. He's taking you behind the veil in ways you've never experienced. Greater and greater shall be the revelation of the privilege it is to partner with him and carry his heart increase in you that will strengthen you, refresh you, fortify you in him like never before. The Lord is looking for friends that will carry his heart no matter the cost, that will speak the truth in love and not bow to the fear of men, but move with him and in him in obedience to what he's doing and saying in the earth without watering things down or compromising. You are the light of the world, a city set on the hill that cannot be hidden, Matthew 5, 14. Arise, shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, Isaiah 61. The greatest move of God is upon, is upon us in the earth as in this new era. God is going to demonstrate his power and glory like we have never seen. His majesty is going to be revealed. The earth will shake and tremble with his power, his majesty, his goodness, his love. The earth will resound with the name of Jesus being proclaimed and the good news of the gospel seeing the great harvest come in. The fear of the Lord came upon me strongly as I heard him speak. The church is not ready yet. Sound the alarm to make yourselves ready through your yielding to me, my spirit and my way. I will make my people ready. People of God, it's time that we cry out to the Holy Spirit and invite him to reveal to us whatever needs to be done or dealt with to make us ready for what he's going to do in this new era. It is not era. It is not about getting everything right. It's about a heart position. It's about obedience and surrender to his way, his process, his spirit. The key is inviting the Holy Spirit to do whatever he needs to do to make us ready and not ignore his voice or his or his truth or his process. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2.14. The wave of travail is coming. Let us welcome it. Let us welcome him and the move of his spirit to prepare us for the greatest move of the spirit of God we have ever seen. How will it find us? Will it find us ready? Will it find us with that heart toward God already? Will it find us understanding what it means to be anchored in the spirit of God instead of being moved by every wave every new situation, every new circumstance, will we have already matured to the place where the, where the things of this earth cannot move us, cannot shake us? Because as I said this morning, and beautiful picture that was, that was put up here, if, if when that water begins to come out from under the doors of the temple and it starts in its ankle deep and we're all standing there in this water, but when that water begins to move and it begins to have force behind it, Everything in the wake of that water will be washed away except those things that are well anchored. Except those things. Because the beauty of this for us is that that river, that spiritual river that will flow, what happens to the the people who are already of the Spirit? We will feel very familiar in that water. 
We will stand certain in that water because we of, that are of the Spirit who already understand the Spirit relationship and this Spirit life, those who already understand that, when that water hits, that wave hits, that will purify and wash most things away. We're going to be shocked. I don't think we will be surprised at how few things are, are left within the actual church. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just personally, I guess, being critical of my own here. But I wonder how many pastors are standing in pulpits today. First of all, because they, they were obedient to get there. And second of all, be, having preached and taught the truth without any hope or expectation or aspiration about the next church they're going to get to go to or to the impact that they're, that they're going to make, where their full trust in what happens in that body is solely upon the Lord. I wonder how many pastors are going to be washed away if everything self-promoting is washed away in the great travail. I wonder who will be left standing. I don't know the answer to that, but I have a suspicion. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.